Well, good evening, everyone, and Merry Christmas. I'm so glad that you're here. It's nearly Christmas, isn't it? It's hard to believe. And uh, this week will be a Christmas day, and I hope that you'll come and join us at our Christmas Eve, one of our Christmas Eve services. We're uh, looking forward to worshiping together in one of uh, two different services we're offering on Christmas Eve. I invite you to open your Bible today. We're going to look at two different passages of Scripture. We're going to look at a passage found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter, 18, chapter 1, beginning with verse number 18. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, and beginning with verse number 18. And so if you have your Bible, I encourage you to find that passage. It's one that you're very familiar with. And then we're going to look at a, probably the, one of the most famous verses of Scripture, one of the most well-known, often quoted, uh, often memorized uh, verses of Scripture, found in John's Gospel, chapter number 3, in verse number 16. And so today, I want us to think about the love of God and think about His love for us and how that His love is really compassion and action toward us and how that love is transforming in our lives. Amen. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse number 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph! Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who's been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. In John's Gospel, chapter number 3, verse 16, tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten, one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, speak to our hearts tonight from your word. We need you. We're dependent upon you. And Lord, we thank you. We're amazed at the idea that you would love us. And that you would love us so much that you sent your son for us. Father, I pray that that truth would transform our hearts tonight and our lives. Speak to us, Father. We're listening. Father, help us to set aside the things that want to displace your voice to us tonight. I pray that we be repentant of our sin 
And Holy Spirit of God, we ask you to do business in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a question that I've often asked, and I think that maybe you've asked it too. Does God love me? Does God love me? Does God love you? Does He? Does God accept you? Does He receive you? Does He welcome you? Listen closely. These are questions that you contemplate. Is Christmas love and is Christmas joy, does that include me? Or am I excluded from this love? And I think that's a question that's being asked by many people in the silent moments of their own heart in life. Does God really care about me? And I think this is what Christmas story is all about, that God does care about you. And that his love acted and moved, and he came and sent his son for you. Aren't feelings confusing sometimes? Anybody ever have feelings that get you confused? Confused about whether or not God loves you, whether or not others love you, whether or not you're viable, all these different feelings that we have. Now, you can't trust feelings. They'll lie to you all the time. Sometimes I have all people who base all the great decisions of life on some feeling. Be careful. Don't base it on feelings. Base it on the truth. You could have bad Taco Bell and have a bad feeling. But your life is based on truth and not on bad Taco Bell. Amen? Feelings can be confusing. As a boy, often I was conflicted and confused about whether or not girls liked me or not. I'd have a girlfriend on the play yard, and I'd have a crush on that girl as a boy. I remember this. And I would wonder if she would like me or not. Now, back in the olden days, we didn't have texting. We passed notes in school. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, all right, and we passed a little note. Now, I remember writing a note, and she was the cutest little girl. I said, do you like me? And then I said, check one of these. And I had a little box. Yes. No, maybe, not yet. Three out of the four, I still had hope. You might have done this, picked the wildflower and pulled the petals. She loves me, she loves me not. She, if it ends on she loves me not, I'm getting a different flower and starting all over. These are the confusing things about love and whether or not we're loved or whether or not God loves us. There's an author who's a pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Sam Crabtree. He wrote a book called Practicing Affirmation, God-Centered Praise of Those Who Are Not God. And the question he asks is, is it wrong to desire to be loved? 
interesting question. Is there something wrong that there's a desire in me to be loved, to be noticed, to be accepted, to be wanted, to be known? To be loved by God is a good thing. There's nothing wrong in wanting to be loved. God has shown his love for us, as he argues in the book. And to expect God to act like something other than God would be faithless on our part. So indeed, God comes and to show us his love, but we're not the center of this. It's God's love himself for his own purpose, to make God a servile flatterer of our self-serving ego trip is idolatrous and deadly. So it's not wrong to want to be noticed or thought well of or feel important or have friends or to have be peace with other people or avoid conflict. But what is the center? What is the grounding of this need for love in our life He says our fatal error is believing that wanting to be happy means wanting to be made much of. It feels so good to be affirmed. But when the good feeling is finally rooted in the worth of self, not the worth of God, this path to happiness is an illusion. (laughs) My friends, God came to love you because of his own purposes. And because for his own glory. And he has loved you with an everlasting love. In Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's look at the story of Joseph today. The birth of Jesus Christ is as follows. He says it happened according to this. He said his mother Mary. Jesus' mother Mary. Was betrothed to Joseph. And before they came together, before they consummated and and had the wedding, they were promised to each other. But it was found out that she was with child, and this was of the Holy Spirit. But Joseph didn't understand this, and he is a righteous man. He did not want her to be put to shame, to be ashamed, to be disgraced. And so he made a plan. And the plan that Joseph had was that he would put her away secretly. He was loving Mary even when it seemed as if Mary had been unfaithful to Joseph. This was Mary whom he loved. This was Mary whom he was committed to. I'm sure he was shocked and felt betrayed when he heard it and embarrassed and confused by it all. But there's no desire on Joseph's part to be vindicated. There's no desire on his part to be vindictive. There's no hatefulness or bitterness in his heart. And when he considered these things, what he planned and wanted to do as a right man before God, God appeared to him in a dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in this dream. And he said, Joseph, son of David, reminding them him who he is. He's of the lineage of David. He's the lineage of the Messiah himself. He says, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife because that child which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He's a miracle child and she will bear a son. 
and you will call his name Jesus. Now, I love this. Joseph, this son is not your doing, but the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, you're going to take Mary to be your wife. And Joseph, you're going to name Jesus like an adopted father to him. And you'll give him his name. And his name will be called Jesus. Yeshua, Joshua, Jehovah is salvation. The reason you call him Jesus is because he will save his people from their sins. And this will fulfill what was spoken of in the prophet Isaiah. He runs back to the prophet of Isaiah and he said this is a fulfillment of the prophecy that a virgin will will be with child and bear a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. No ordinary baby, but God with us. When he awoke from his sleep, what did Joseph do? He did as the angel of the Lord said. He believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He believed what God had said to him. He acted and took Mary to be his wife, and he loved Mary. And he loved and adopted the child. And he kept Mary, a virgin, until after the birth of Jesus. And he called him Jesus. Because he knew, somehow in his heart, the angel was right. That he, this man, would rescue his people from their sins. Amen. John's Gospel says it this way, For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. That is God's great love for you and for me. It's transforming truths about God's love I want us to consider today. Number one, God took the initiative in our salvation. God took the initiative. God so loved the world that He gave. God's initiative first you didn't love God, but he loved you. First John chapter 4, verse 10 says, <clears throat> And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son into the world to be the propitiation of our sin. Now, propitiation, that's a big word, isn't it? Now, I, w- I want us to look at this. First of all, you didn't initiate the love. God did. Not that you love God. No, you were so full of yourself and your own sin and your own desires and your own cravings that you went wayward and his sin brought destruction and death into your life. But praise be to God, he sent his son for you. And he took the initiative because he loved you. And he died for you. The word propitiation is love acted. It's love moved. It's loved, sacrificed. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span. It is His great love for us. He became the atoning sacrifice for our sin. The word propitiation means that it is the sacrifice that satisfies a holy God, and removes our sin. It's more 
than just removing the expiation of sin. It is the satisfaction of God's holiness because a holy one died for sinful ones so that we might be made right with God. What great love that God has loved us with. Amen? The book of Galatians chapter number 4 says it this way, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, us, that we might receive adoption as sons. Notice these two things. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. He's born of a woman. He's born under the law. He fulfills the law. And He's saving those who were condemned because of sin that were underneath the law. And He redeems us. The word, strong word there, redemption. You were bound and lost and enslaved your trespasses and sins. But God in His great love has redeemed you with a purchase price of His own Son. Not only did He redeem you, He adopted you as a son and a daughter forever and ever and ever. To God be the glory. Great things He hath done. Amen? Amen. Here are the truths. He loved you. He sent His Son for us. And he came to us, and he did not abandon us. God is with us. Hallelujah. Secondly, not only God's initiative, but God's revelation of his son. In Matthew's gospel, we notice the angel of the Lord appearing to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And now he's revealing to him God's plan, revealing who Jesus is to Joseph. His name will be called Jesus. He is the prophesied one of Isaiah, chapter number 7. He is of the line of David, as you are, Joseph. And what the thing born, the child that Mary carries is of the Holy Spirit. It's not your seed, but it's the work of God in her life, Joseph. Wow. You see, you'll never find God on your own. He reveals himself to us. You're not smart enough to find him. You're so caught up in your sins and trespasses, you're blind and dead and stupid. You could never find God on your own. But God reached down and revealed himself to us. In John's Gospel, chapter number 1, I love this great, rich, Christological passage. John's Gospel, chapter number 1, beginning with verse number 14. Remember what John said. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And notice in verse number 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God revealed Himself to us. John testified about Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me is higher rank than I. He existed before me. That's John the Baptist. For of his fullness we've all received, and grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth realized through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him, revealed him, 
exposed him. He has preached him. He has opened it up so you could know him. Listen, the work of God was to reveal Jesus to man and the work of Jesus to reveal God to us. It's the work of God revealing himself to man. Oh, what great love he has loved us. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number 1, the book of Hebrews, chapter number 1, listen to how the, what, what Hebrews says it. He says, God spoke long ago in the fathers in the prof, uh, to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. If Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Verse 2, but in these last days he's spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. For he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he made purification sins for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is greater than any angel. He's greater than any prophet. That one born to in Bethlehem was the very Son of God. And He reveals Himself to us. We beheld His glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is Messiah, prophesied, fulfilled. And Jesus can only Jesus can reveal who God is to a sinful world. Amen. Number three, God's provision for us. God's provision for us. God has provided for us. You will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. That's why Jesus came. He is the provision for our salvation. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. Oh, what great, the greatest Christmas gift of given ever was the gift of God to us through Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. In 1 John 2, 2, he himself, here's the word again, is the propitiation for our sins. And not ours only, but also for the whole world. His atoning death, satisfied and available to every tongue and tribe and nation and people. Oh, what great love he's shown for us. I did this when my kids were little, and I do it with my grandkids now. And I'll say, how much do you love me? You all do that, don't you? That much? That much? Ryan says, Papa, I love you that much. And I say, Ryan, I love you that much, too. The God of heaven broke into this world of sin and he said to his created people who are lost in sin, I love you this much. And he laid down his life for us. Amen. God has demonstrated his own love for us 
And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave His only Son, the prize of heaven, and He will save His people from their sins. He rescues us from sin. That's, the word save means to rescue us. Because the penalty that was incurred by us was death. We deserved death, but Jesus Christ took our death and He died our death so that we might have His life. What an exchange. That's a Christmas gift of exchange right there. That's an exchange gift. He took my sin. He gave me His life. Hallelujah. What a Savior. He atoned for our sin. These are mysteries beyond the mind to even fully comprehend. In the book of Romans, chapter number 3, in verse number 21, notice as now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifest, been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, how? Through faith in Jesus Christ, for all those who believe, there's no distinction, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but being justified is a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. And this was to demonstrate His righteousness, because in the forbearance of God He passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of His righteousness at the present time so that he would be just, and listen, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That's what God has done for you. We had incurred the wrath of God against our sin, but he atoned for it, and that wrath was satisfied by a holy life, and he has justified us and made us right before God. So he is just in that there was a death of a righteous one for sins. But he is a justifier. He can make those that were sinful right before God. That is an amazing thing. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. He died for you. And he changes you. In the book of Romans, chapter number 5, verse number 6, Paul writes, for while we were still helpless, needy, unable to do anything for ourselves, at the right time Christ died for whom? The ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Wow. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That is God's great love. He died for the ungodly. He died for that with those who were helpless. And he's demonstrated his love for us undeniably. And he's re reconciled us by the death of his son. And he is saving us by his eternal 
life. Wow. He has given us peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Only one can bring peace with God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, He is present with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He is our Emmanuel. He is God with us. Not only that, He prays for us. Romans chapter 8, verse number 34. He lives to make intercession for us. He is now interceding for you. Notice He is Christ Jesus is He who died, rather is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. Did you know that tonight? Jesus Christ is sitting beside the Father, and He's praying for you. <laughs> Would you pray for me? I do. I do it too. Would you pray for me? Why well, don't even? I'm telling you, somebody that never forgets to pray for you. He sits before the Father, and He died for you. And he bought you. And he prays for you. The Holy Spirit that dwells in you and prays for you. God is with you. This is, this is Christmas. This is what it's all about. This is the love of God. Not only that, he protects you. He protects you. Nothing in life, nothing in death, nothing in heaven, nothing in hell. Nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Some of you are worried to death about your own protection. Scared to death. I get it. We're scared of corona. We're scared of whatever. We're scared of politics, scared of politicians, scared of parties, scared of laws, scared of taxes. Let me tell you one to be scared of. That's a holy God. And you stand before him in your own sin. But let me tell you who not to be afraid of. Anyone who tries to condemn you when you are in Jesus Christ. Because you are safe in him. Amen? Amen. Hmm. Well, finally, it calls for a response. How do we respond to this great news? John's gospel, how do we respond? How do we respond? In John's gospel, chapter number one, verse number nine. This was the true light that comes into the world and enlightens every man. He was in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own, and those that were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Have you received Jesus Christ? Have you confessed Him as your Savior and Lord? The Bible says Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scripture. And if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you trusted him? Have you confessed him? Have you tr- put your life into his hand and turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior? So the response, some people reject him. Some people ignore him. Some people receive him. But those who receive him are transformed by him to become the children of God. We start to love like him and live like him, and he changes us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, it says, We know we've passed from death into life because we love the brethren. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Beloved, if God so loved this, we ought to love one another. Listen, I'm telling you, we love because he first loved us. And the evidence of Christ's work in you and you receiving him in your life is you start to love your brothers and your sisters and you start loving your church family and you start loving the work of God and you love lost people that are messed up and lost and you don't condemn them, but you start to love them. And you start seeing beyond the politics. You start seeing beyond the hairstyle. You start seeing beyond the tattoo and you start seeing beyond skin color and and you start seeing beyond all of the all the conversation, and you look at a person that Christ cares for, and they need him, and they're lost, and they're acting like lost people, but God loved you. And he's put love in your heart so you can see beyond all of that and love them. That's the love of God in you. He came to rescue you from sin and selfishness and vindictiveness and judgmentalism and peevishness. And he came to set you free from your insecurities and your hatefulness. And he wants to transform you to look like his son. That is Christmas good news. Amen. Amen. Do you condemn yourself sometimes? Me too. Sometimes it's good in a way because I know that I need to turn from my sin and turn back to God in repentance. But the morbid, negative, daily condemnation that sucks the very life out of you spiritually is not from God. Because He loves you. He loves you more than you're loved by anyone else in this world or ever will be. And that's the good news. So when you find something in your life that's condemning you, behaviors that aren't honoring to him, I like the way Rosalind Rinker said it. In her book on prayer called Conversing with God. Let 
It says, bring your sin to the feet of Jesus and it will be transformed. And all the fruits of the Spirit are sins transformed. You bring your resentment and He changes it to love. You bring your sadness and He changes it to joy. You bring your unbelief and He changes it to faith. You bring your rebellion and He changes it to acceptance. These are simply the gifts which accompany the giver. Where he is, where he lives, are all the good things he wants to give us. And then I like the way the author says this. We don't pick faith out of the air or off a limb. Jesus Christ is our faith. Have you received him? But as many as received him, To them, he gave the authority to become the children of God. Amen. Father in heaven, have your way in our hearts, in our lives this night. As we turn from our sin and we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.